Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about five pieces of horribly bad news that turn out to be <laughs> really good news. And not contemporary news. No, not no, like, yeah, not these headlines. Are, these are existential news. Yeah. Has that, is that how you use that word right? Yeah. Okay, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Long last, it's biblical. <laughs> biblical news. Okay, we're going to tell you five facts, five really bad facts. These are these are heartbreaking. They're hard facts, but they lead us to a good place. So um, five of them, and I think it's going to be well worth your ears and your time. So thanks for listening. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Before that, we have joke and or story time, and it's your turn this week. Yeah, so I thought I would tell about some pranks that I've uh, been a part of, Um in fact, I'll limit these to my college <laughs> years because I had a I have a list of pranks. I was thinking about this, <clears throat> and I have a list of pranks that included my youth pastor days. I, we had some good pranks there too. Have I ever told you I hate pranks? Do you? Why? I hate them. I think they're mean. I think they're inherently mean. Really? Yeah. I don't know. The only pranks I've ever been a part of have been between me and Bethany, and they've been very malicious. They've been they've been mean spirited. Yeah, you know, Bethany like dipped my hand in water or something like that. Yeah, I'm not, which uh, didn't work, by the way. Yeah, I'm not getting in the middle of that because your sister listens to the podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, let's hear. Maybe yours are nice. I don't know. No, they're they're not. I don't. Who ever heard of a nice prank? I wonder if there is such a thing. Yeah, jokes can be nice. Pranks can't be. Yeah. Well, uh, some you know these are these are benign. They're not mean well let's hear them well me and the listeners will be the judge okay so uh one of them uh um you take uh they have these things called record albums back in the old days i know what a record is (laughs) well i know but you're you you like vinyl yeah so not everybody might you know but the albums anyway they came in album covers Mm -hmm. and you take the album out i've heard this and you put flour inside the envelope of the album slide the opening underneath the door of the dorm room of another person and then mm-hmm. jump on it and it puts a fine layer of flour throughout the whole room that is not benign that is so mean that is not mean <laughs> that's so mean you did this <laughs> yes and but it was, was a payback for a mean prank what was the mean prank well the mean prank was they put alarm clocks all through my dorm room hid them in uh, pockets of jackets and they used extension cords and plugged alarm clocks all over my room and set them one hour apart throughout the entire night. Oh, man. Every hour I had to wake up and find an alarm <laughs> clock where it was and turn it off. Okay, so this is this is a culture of pranks. This is a game. You're all playing a game. Yes. That, may, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. This wasn't some random sap who you just flowered his room. Oh, sure. Yeah. Anyway, another one, uh, the dorm rooms opened into your room. Okay. Sure. So you open the door into your room. Mm-hmm. And they're across the hall from each other all the way down the hall. Yeah. So the morning of the first day of finals, we took a a rope and tied the doors all to each other (laughs) so you could open your door about an inch. Yeah. And then it would slam shut. And you have someone else trying to open. And you got to get to a final and you can't get out of your room. That's 
Yeah. You're going to sit here and tell me that's not mean. Well, it was mean that we made a guy actually break down crying before we let him out. <laughs> <laughs> there was one in, at Northwest which led to, I don't think I was there for this, I heard about it, where you would um, take a penny and you go to the door jam and you hammer a penny into the door jam. Oh, and really? the door cannot open oh, without wow. coming off its hinges. You have to take it off. And it's a huge fire hazard, so it was not a... Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, it did not Get somebody well killed. Well. Yeah. I think someone actually jumped out of their window to get around. It was like one on the second story. And to get around and open their door, they they hopped out their window. Well, and we were on the first floor, so people could just go out their window and and uh, and leave. All right. One last one. Guy comes out of the shower, and uh, you dump flour on their <laughs> head. <laughs> and it makes them, makes them into like a Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. That one... And that one I'm okay with. You just hop back in the shower. You're fine. Right. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah. Unless they got like a, again, a final or a hot date or something they got to get to. Yeah. Anyway, just a couple of pranks. That's uh Oh, I'll tell you one more. Okay, please. So, um, so I'm, I get to college early. It's my freshman year. I'm pretty excited. I'm a, I'm an entire day earlier than everybody else, mm-hmm. but all the football players are there cause they're there for two a days. And so I, you know, we move in my, uh, parents leave to go back to texas and i'm sitting there on my bed going well now what do i do and uh this guy knocks on my door and i open the door and there is this tall uh defensive lineman <laughs> totally naked with cellophane wrapped around his waist and he says uh hey dude you like my new underwear <laughs> and he takes off running and i thought where in the world am i <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, there was one early on. I forget to the dorms at Northwest. I'm a sophomore. I got there a, a year late. And uh, and two of uh, uh, roommates on my floor who are both from Moses Lake. They went to high school together, and so mm. they came here as kind of friends. And they uh, one puts on this, like, green alien mask, <laughs> and one puts on a gorilla suit, or at least a gorilla mask. And, like, they're wearing weird, weird stuff. And they go down to the floor below us. This is close to Halloween time. They had all done pumpkins, carved pumpkins. Oh, floor yeah. So they run down there in these weird masks and just start shouting and grabbing their pumpkins. They steal, like, three <laughs> pumpkins well, at least before these people can stop them. And they run up here. I think they hid them in the bathroom. Didn't do anything to them. Left yeah. them alone, as far as I remember. And uh, and it got blown in, out of proportion. And, obviously, in my opinion, it was, they were on my floor. So as, as far as allegiances go, I knew where I was. Right. Until this... Uh, uh, a Chinese international student comes up to our floor and says, where's my pumpkin? And it felt so bad that, cause obviously I don't know. We don't know if he got the joke or if he thought we were just stealing his pumpkin. Right. You know? Right. We was terrible about that, but, but I guess I, I don't hate all pranks. Some of those are kind of funny. Yeah. But you like being on the right side of the prank. Yeah. That's the truth of it. I was on, I was on the, the winning side. The winner tells the, you know, writes the history book. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Let's get into this. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, some really bad news that are true about you. That are um, they're bad news, but they but, <laughs> but uh, everybody has a big but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they lead to really good news, and it's important that you embrace the bad news, or you don't find your way to the good news. Interesting. So they're they're not um, they're dependent on each other. They're coexistent. Um, the like, good news is a consequence of embracing the bad news. 
So you do not get to the good news without embracing the bad news. Correct. If you deny, if you live in denial about the bad news, you will not find your way to the good news. Well, that's, you're, you're killing me with the suspense. What's the, what's the first one? <laughs> okay, number one is that you are broken beyond repair. Mm. You are broken beyond repair. You are, you know, when I was in school, we had to read a book called uh, I'm Okay, You're Okay. Yeah. And the truth is, I suck, you suck. <laughs> so the bad news is you're broken beyond repair. You are so depraved, you don't understand how depraved you are. And you love people who are also as broken as that. And it cannot be fixed. You can't fix yourself. You can improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this broken, this brokenness, this depravity can be redeemed by God. Um, but you are broken beyond repair and you can't fix it. Does that, what, what good news does that lead to? Uh, well, the good news is that, uh, you're not, um, particularly broken. So it's not like you're the only, you're looking around, you're in a, why am I the only one? Exactly. You're in a realm full of perfect, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. um, additions and you're the one on the conveyor belt that got pulled off for having some right. big deformity everyone's busted so right. and the good news of jesus the gospel mm-hmm. is that uh um you cannot be perfect on your own right so one you're not alone and two um the expectation is is that you are not perfect so you're you are set uh free to an extent and i could see this getting you know our conversation just last week on um, works and expectations after you're saved, but there's no, there is no disputing by any of the, the, um, new Testament writers who wrote about your expectations of righteousness, that you are, uh, messed up post conversion. You, you need a lot of grace, right? And you're never going to not need it. Right. And the thing is, so what, what's so bad if I don't believe this? Well, what's bad if you don't believe it is you'll have, uh, unreal expectations on yourself. For sure. You'll have unreal expectations of others. You will not need Jesus. You will you will appreciate Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you don't you don't really believe you need him. Well, and that's the the thorn in the flesh, right? Because we look at, you know, the the writings of Paul and it's like he basically um talk about being um a living as Christ's body. He is a lot like um, Christ on earth. Same with Peter. The, the miracles of Peter. If I could just touch his, his shadow and I'll be healed, and it it right, does. That's right. some Jesus stuff, and it's because they're dependent on on Jesus and the thorn in the flesh. Paul tries to pray this whatever it is away, mm-hmm. and uh, and his answer is in um, your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Yeah. So your brokenness exemplifies and glorifies uh, God, and that um, if you were to somehow think you were dependent on your self you were you know independent of god um then you're you've been misled so maybe the good news here is that um it is good that you know that you are um broken irreparably broken right because if you if you if you realize i am broken beyond repair then you also realize i need a savior i need help yeah it gives you uh, also grace toward others but it gives you this um, this lifestyle of depending upon the one who is perfect. Uh, this actually is the first beatitude. Blessed mm-hmm. are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we tend to think, 
well, that's a poverty, you know, it's a poverty mentality. I need to understand that I'm, that I'm spiritually poor. Mm. No, you're not just spiritually poor. You're dead. Jesus says it's not that you, Jesus didn't come to say, make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Yeah. You are spiritually dead. You are a son of the devil. You, you are deserving objects, deserving the wrath of God. So this brokenness is real, it's deep, and it, and it is beyond your repair. And the uh, the good news again there of, of the um, acknowledgement is when you see how Jesus interacts with people. When he first meets um, Peter in Luke, I think, um, Peter says, you know, depart from me, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm a mm-hmm. sinner. I'm a terrible sinner. Because he has that massive catch of fish mm-hmm. and he realizes who he's standing with. Yeah. And other times, you know, the woman at the well, mm-hmm. you know, she know, she's terribly ashamed. Mm-hmm. He is so tender with these people. Yes. And he is blunt and angry with the proud. And what does he say to the Pharisees? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. Right. But what they don't know is nobody's well. Exactly. So he's not tender with these people because they're more righteous than the Pharisees. They just right. know who they are. They, mm-hmm. And they recognize the depravity. In recovery systems, 12-step programs, step mm-hmm. number one, my life has become unmanageable and I cannot fix it myself. That is the first step to redemption. So yeah. it's terrible news, but it takes us to great news. All right. Yeah. We got a list, so we got to keep going. We got it. We got nothing but time. <laughs> Chill, easy I want Monday to honor night. the clock of our listener. Okay, number two. <laughs> it is impossible for a rich person to go to heaven to enter the kingdom of God, and you, my friend, are rich. Mm. So um, unless you're listening to this podcast in uh zimbabwe and you live and you live in a tribe and you're in a grass hut and you really don't have money and you're living on seven dollars a month uh if you live in the united states of america (laughs) you are rich globally speaking yeah and jesus said it is impossible for a rich man to go to heaven it is easier to jam a camel through the eye of a sewing needle than for a rich man to go to heaven why is this why does it? How does this get us to good news, John? Um, because the following line—I don't know if this is part of your bad news, but it's the only—it's the only way I know how this is um, redemptive—is um, they they despair <clears throat> the people in, in mm-hmm. attendance. They say, "Who then shall be saved?" And he says, "What is impossible with man is possible with God." Yeah. So again, it's a it's a bad piece of news that leads you to I can't trust in these riches. Mm-hmm. These riches don't make me a better person. I'm not. I don't deserve these riches more than somebody who doesn't have these riches. Uh, I had a friend in another state. He would say, "Poor people got poor ways," mm-hmm. and it was a very condescending way for him to look at people of poverty and say, "You deserve that. You deserve that because yeah. you have poor ways. If you thought rich like a rich person, if you and put in the if you put in the work of yeah. a you know whatever." And it's a very arrogant place to be. And so to acknowledge that wealth, while it is an incredible opportunity, while it is a great stewardship, it is also extremely dangerous. Yeah. Money has the power to change us. Yeah. And I was, I've been curious about this before, actually. They despair, the people in attendance, but we know that they were not all very well to do. Lots and lots of people across political or, or economic spectrums both spectrums, I guess, mm-hmm. but especially a lot of these people, you know, Peter and his brother, they weren't um, wealthy. So when they despair, why why wouldn't they go? Oh yeah, that's fine. 
because yeah. I'm poor. Well, they do follow that up with saying, we have given up everything for you, Jesus. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we know we were rich, but we've given up everything yeah, for you. Yeah, so, so my gate's wide open. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, yeah. Uh, I think that built into the Jewish faith mm-hmm. was the notion that if you are holy and connected to God, you're also wealthy. Gotcha. And so this this Abraham of great wealth, you know, like with uh, with Job, with what Job, did, what did you do wealth? that you had all this taken from you? That right, kind of thing, right. Yeah. So wealth was attached to God's favor. Gotcha. And so it is it's counterintuitive to say, well, God is blessing me with money, and yet money makes it impossible. Right. And the truth is, it's impossible for poor people to get in the kingdom too. Right. <laughs> so then, there specifically, is he saying that it's harder? Um, because of the distractions and because of the the, the intoxication the stuff. Yeah, the intoxication, the affection, the deception of wealth is what he mm. talks about in the parable of the weeds, the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, it makes you think differently about yourself. It makes you think differently about other people. Like your buddy. It makes you stop trusting in God. You're self-sufficient. You're not afraid. Yeah. You, you don't have to trust God as much. You know, I have gone to bed um, destitute and I've gone to bed with money and I sleep better with money. And that's that can be a problem. And maybe this will be a through line through all of them, but this could be the same as um, the value of recognizing your brokenness mm-hmm. is harder when you are wealthy, like you said. Oh yeah, um, you have you have evidence that you're a pretty good dude. Yeah, you got some, you got some <laughs> things going right for you. Sure. All right, number three: um, faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. and you just can't do enough works to prove your faith is alive. Mm. So uh, this is one of the tensions you and I have been discussing, I think, for several weeks, Yeah, is um, what exactly is expected of me as a believer, as a born-again child of God? Should I not be, you know, doing these heroic, wonderful things? How many works should there be? And, and, you know, Jesus cancels the law. He, He satisfies the law. Yeah. And yet James would say, Show me your faith by what you say. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Yeah. But then how many things do I got to do before my faith is real? And, I mean, Paul spends, I don't know, at least four letters saying um, that your works will not save you. That, right. that and, and that if you depend on them, you are digging your own grave. Mm-hmm. And then for James, it's just been, yeah, actually, well, you know, they are the they are the proof of what you believe. And... uh and that is that is maybe the heart of the tension that we've been feeling. So I'm, I might need you to take the the silver lining on this one. Well, what I what I love about it is uh, we there is a I think an authentic cry in the heart of a Jesus follower, a person mm-hmm. who has Christ abiding in them, is this hunger and desire to be with God, to uh, love what God loves, to see uh, the kingdom advance. You know, you have these affections that Christ puts in you. And never the sense that I've done enough. You know, yeah. have you, I don't know anyone who's ever had the feeling of, yeah, um, Jesus wanted me to do more and I did it. <laughs> you know, you just have this feeling like I could never do enough. I get that too. I mentioned Paul all the time, but from Paul when he says, I worked harder than anybody. Yeah. I get that a little bit from him. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you did. Yeah. But you don't have to put it like that. <laughs> well, he's comparing himself to people who are criticizing him. Oh. And he's saying, hey, you think you, you, you know, how many scars, you know, I was beaten 40 times and. Yeah, they left him for dead. Left me for dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how many times were you in prison because of your faith? 
So, uh, you know, again, there's a list I can't compare to. You yeah. Know? I picture sometimes when you're a pastor, you have people who whine at you for very stupid things. Yeah. And sometimes I've wanted to say to them, you know, you're going to be standing. I, I hope in heaven you're standing right next to Peter. And he looks at you and says, what's your story? And you say, I had to quit change. I had to change churches because that pastor wouldn't shake my hand at the door or whatever. Mm. And he's going, oh, well, I was crucified upside down because I wasn't worthy to die like Jesus. Yeah. Um, so you can't ever do enough works. Well, here's the good news about that is that uh, it it reminds you again, I'm just always grateful. I'm mm. receiving more from God than I'm giving. I am never earning this. Um there's way more to be done. When is enough? I need to rest in the sufficiency of Jesus and not not uh, beat myself up. But this is a tension, and it's a tension that keeps me aware of my fallibility, of my inherent selfishness. Um, I've been I've been walking with Jesus for 32 years, and I feel more selfish today than I did 32 years ago. Hmm. Um, I wish I could stop being so selfish. Yeah. And that just reminds me of my need of a savior. And so uh, I think that's that's what that does for me is it helps me not rely on or feel a false sense of superiority because of my works, whatever those works are. Uh, there's, you know, it's nothing. It is nothing. And Paul said, I consider these as filthy rags, dung, mm-hmm. uh, um, just puke rags compared to the righteousness of jesus if you think you've done something you want to stand next to jesus and see how you compare you know yeah so again this is a um rejection of pride or arrogance and embracing of the um, brokenness uh in james because that that's where this kind of this sentiment comes from this model yeah. of works and faith um and works being the um fulfillment of faith or the the consummation of faith or uh, he doesn't seem to express that sentiment where you, you could, where he would say, or where you would say, um, that, that you can never do enough works to justify your, or to adequately show your faith. Right. So I should have worded that differently. Faith without works is dead and you'll never think you've completed enough works. Gotcha. To, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never, or think that you earned. You'll never prove your faith with your works. Yeah. Uh, because you just can't do enough of them compared to who, and you're going to, you know, there's always somebody. Uh, there's that, always somebody doing more than you. Could you do more? Could you do more? Could you have given more money, John? Could you have spent more time in prayer? Could you have given more to that poor family? Could you have done without a little bit more? Do yeah. you really need to drive a vehicle as nice as yours? You know, you just can chase your tail forever here. And so it, it is, um, and I think uh, what's fun is to watch your works be a demonstration, a, a, a manifestation of what you actually believe. And this is where James was really going in the first place. If you say, I have faith, then that will materialize itself in your behaviors. Yeah. And so he says there's a relationship here that that needs to be true. Gotcha. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to hear your show and tell. Yeah. And then we'll do our little commercial. And then we're going to do the last two of these. And number four is my favorite. And we'll probably spend the most time on this. So uh, stay tuned here because number four is the best one. Okay, my show and tell is uh, for this week is a little probably uh, like three by one point five inch card. Mm. Uh, really, it's made of paper, really thin. Um, on one side, it has the uh, Disneyland logo, 
and a Millennium Falcon going through hyperspace. Oh. And on the back is a barcode and a bunch of fine print. It's my ticket to Disneyland. Your for, ticket to the whole park? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. From uh, a year ago, last June. So, uh, so a June year, of 19. June of 19. Um, yeah. I can't believe It's crazy. It's already October. Um, we went to, had this big family trip. I'm, I've probably talked about it before here. Um, just because it was so so much of a blast. We had this big family trip, went down there, stayed in a, a Airbnb in, a, um, what's that town called? Anaheim. Anaheim. Uh, I was just going to, it's basically LA. If I said LA, it wouldn't be that inaccurate, but it's, but it's Anaheim. It's Anaheim. Um, and, uh, and went to Disney for a day. Then me and, uh, Lindsay was a wedding gift. We had had tickets to Disneyland. So we went for two days, mm-hmm. uh, and then went to the beach, went around, just, just lived it up. Yeah. I had a few days where we just stayed in the Airbnb by the pool and cooked mm-hmm. and it was amazing. And, uh, Disneyland, my wife. Loves Disney. She did a college program at Disney World mm-hmm. where she was there for, I think, an entire school year, maybe just one semester, but I think an entire um, uh, college to two semesters um, and uh, and worked at Disney and did courses there. And uh, so anyway, she was so excited to uh, go to one of the parks together and uh, and it was great. And and, and the Star Wars feature had yes, just opened. It that's was, right. It was pretty brand new. I was going to, because of the Millennium Falcon on the, right. the thing, they had just opened Galaxy's Edge is the name of it. And they've got, uh, I think at the time, they now they have two rides if they're open. I actually don't think Disneyland is. I think yeah, they're not yet. Um, they have this Millennium Falcon ride, super long lines. But the actual, if you've been there, Disneyland is split up into a bunch of, of uh, many areas with themes. So you have like a Western theme. You have a space theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually separate from the Star Wars theme. I forgive you for being confused. The Star Wars theme uh, (laughs) is so, it's like this immersive, they use the uh, credits system of Star Wars instead of money. If you ask how expensive something is, a worker who is in character will say it's credits instead of dollars. Yeah. They have shops that are like, uh, uh, you would, they're set up to look like whoever lives there made that with their hands. Like, Uh, Like each shop is like in context, you have uh, character actors running around, stormtroopers walking around, yeah. bumping into you, saying "Get out of my way!" You yeah. know, being rude to you. Yeah, big cantinas, uh, animatronic robots all over. So in a shop, there's like behind a cage, this big alien <laughs> who's moving around like at the cash register yeah. or something. It was nuts, um, and just a really, really good trip. I think of it very fondly. Um, he, extraordinarily blessed. Talking about uh, uh, wealthy mm-hmm. uh, trip like that. I call them the, uh, I forget the name I gave them, but that and my honeymoon. Honeymoon went to that cruise to Alaska, which I talked about recently. Uh, and this trip is like peak from like from middle class. That's as good as you get. And then all the way until you're like a, you own a yacht there. Then, then you can do crazier <laughs> stuff. Then you can like go to the moon or, or the space station. But, but as far as like what normal people get to do for vacations, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it and it's amazing. I've been very blessed. Um, and I love my wife to death. I love talking about the things she loves. Um, and I love my family and it was, it was amazing. That's cool. And you did, uh, you you kind of, uh, did a recording Fox pause. Um, (laughs) what's that? Well, you said, uh, I can't believe it's already October. Oh yeah. It's actually, this episode releases on November, uh, two. Does it? Yes. And so, uh, John just let you know, we're recording this in October. Well, that I mean, we're recording earlier now than we have in the past. So this, they should, you, you should think, wow, they're so they're on, on top, top of it. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, 
this release is November 2nd. The election is November 3rd. So oh. this might be your last taste of normalcy for a little while. Yeah. Anyway. So, so think fondly of Disney of and Disney vacation. And, yeah, and vacations and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's our commercial. We'll be right back with number four and five. Awesome. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Welcome back. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, appreciate you listening through our commercial. I I just recently thought you might start getting tired of it. You've been listening to the same commercial for, if you're a, 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 a constant listener for about a year. If you're a Jim and John faithful. Yeah, exactly. Part of the upstream team. Yeah. But we're grateful. So uh, yeah, number four of the list. Number four. Uh, much of what you believe is wrong and you don't know which parts you believe that are wrong. Yeah. So uh, this, this is, part this is, it, this is a hard one. Uh, <laughs> many things you believe, and I'm talking about primarily faith belief. Yeah. Many of the things you believe are not accurate. And the problem is you don't know which ones they are. Yeah. I had a guy say one time I was in, I was at this uh, thing and he said, uh, how, how do you feel when you're wrong? And, you know, people are going, well, I feel stupid. I feel embarrassed. I feel dumb. Yeah. He said, no, no, no. That's how you feel when you find out you were wrong. Before you found <laughs> out you were wrong, you were just arrogant, fat, dumb, and happy and yeah, confident. You thought you, you, yeah, thought you owned you thought the whole you world. Everything. Yeah. And it keeps hitting me, especially as I uh, try to place myself in the Old Testament and expect the Messiah that Jesus turned out to be. Hmm. There there's just no there were there were scholars and students there was no widespread belief that Jesus was going to come the way he came be a suffering servant uh Jesus demonstrated all that from the scriptures which Paul later learned how to do as well yeah well you through just, the spirit you just didn't see it coming like with um um Peter and I forget who else but they in early acts they're brought before this council and they lay out they lay it out the messiahship of jesus yeah. and these two lay fishermen yeah crazy uh and what i love about it is that it it fits more perfect than anything a human could have come up with oh then if he had come on you couldn't chariot, make this stuff up it's yeah. amazing it's like it's one of my favorite favorite things about the nature of god yeah so what that means is that when jesus comes you know, you got books on the end times and you got, you've got uh, left behind series and yeah. all that. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it ain't going to go like that. Yeah. And um, the truth is, if you had been alive when Jesus was alive there, the, the jury's out on whether you would have believed him or not. I mean, when he's if you could put yourself in that spot when he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Yeah. We read all of that with the beauty of hindsight, the foresight part. And so the reason this is so important, 
I think if you, here's the good news. You hold your hands open. What are, there are some things we can absolutely know. There aren't many, but there are mm-hmm. some. And so you hold on to those, man. Those are the anchors of our faith. Those are the pillars of our faith. The rest of it, why are we fighting with each other? Why are we breaking communion with each other because sure. of disagreements? Why do we have to have so much hostility? Dude, you're probably not even right. I'm probably not even right. Um, let's just trust. And it, it reminds you of the the size and the magnitude and the mystery of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't like this one, and yet I do like it because it keeps me from being that arrogant, argumentative turd mm-hmm. when people think differently than you do. I like the... Um this is a PG podcast, but I think the word "ass" is very appropriate in the in the uh, the the uh, the zoological sense. <laughs> you know, the the stubbornness. Yes, uh, I uh, yeah, like when you brought it up. I um, this one sucks, uh, but it's so it's so important for one because I think all of the, so far three of the or this is number four. Yeah. Four of these five is about posture, um, which I think is incredibly important to mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, um, repentance, like you said, being foundational to yeah. your entire relationship to him. Yeah. Um, and you can't repent without accurately viewing who you are. But um, I like that there is also biblical precedent for this with is, is his name Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Mm-hmm. Um, there was dissent in the uh, early church. And a bad example is Paul and Peter when when Peter um, uh, is is accurately teaching um, to the, the Hebrews uh, about their new relationship with the Gentiles. And then some, some, some Jews show up, and he leaves the Gentiles and goes, hangs out mm-hmm. with the Jews, and, and Paul rebukes him. Rebukes him to his face. To his, and I think in front of people, too. Yeah. But, uh, so that's a little different because Peter was wrong. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was not um, accurate to um, the gospel. But, uh, but there, is, there is history of, of dissent where both parties, neither one is sinning. Neither right. one is, right. is, is, right. um, is dishonoring God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trickier for me because you said, you know, when most of this stuff doesn't matter, which I'm, I'm totally with you. There's well, so many things that aren't. I don't think I ever said they don't matter. That's, I'm sure. What did you say? Well, that they're they're not the essentials. Right. Um, they aren't they aren't the building blocks of the gospel or of who God is. Yeah. Um, but they are they are. Um. Man, what is I, I'm trying to fish for um, a word here, but let me just say it this way: the humility necessary is a beautiful, powerful thing. One of the things I tell myself when I believe something, man, and you can take um, you can take uh, predestination, divine election. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of these topics, and one of the things I remind myself when I'm when I when I say this is my conviction. <laughs> I tell myself there are people who love Jesus every bit as much as I do who are a lot smarter than me who think differently. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a hum- – anytime I find a guy, a preacher, a, a believer who insists on that they know the right answer to every question, those people scare me to death. Yeah. I got two questions for you on this particular topic. Okay. Um, one, what would you say to someone who says this is a um, – this truth is a criticism of our faith that you can that so many people who really love god read the same book and you read it correctly can come to these different conclusions what do you say to that 
that that would be somehow a that diminishes our faith. Yeah, that that um, that you guys can't even come. You can't even agree on things. Yeah, um, man, I don't know what I would say about that except that the big rocks God made crystal clear. So there are some things you you just can't misunderstand. There are other things though that are mysterious. Mm-hmm. And when is Jesus coming back? Man, he said he didn't even know that only the Father knows. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that one makes my head hurt. Yeah. So um, I think that if you need a God that you can thoroughly understand and have no mystery about, mm-hmm. then your God is way too small. Uh, I need a God to be so big that I can't figure him out. And that that dissenting opinion is actually proof of uh, how big is that? That the mystery, um, of course, there's going to be dissenting opinion in a mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My second question would be: um, We very clearly advocate biblically, and, and you and I, um, a a fervent, really strong confidence in the belief of you know the messiahship of Jesus of right. of, of you know of our of our creeds, mm-hmm. um, and and that is definitely criticized. In, a, in the secular world where you're supposed to be open-minded, um, be receptive to, hey, what, you, what I believe might be wrong. But that idea in um, when you're following Jesus is, is not, um, that's not really something you want to encourage. Uh, you, know what I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? What, so is, it, what is it you don't want to encourage? Uh, um, shrugging with Jesus. Well, maybe he's not God. Oh, I see. You know, maybe maybe we are wrong and I could learn something from Hinduism. Yeah, the if the scriptures are crystal clear, yeah, then to me that's the end of the discussion. So it's it it's when it gets murky is when It's when it gets murky or if you want to add to. So Jesus says, uh, I am the son of God. Yeah. Um he also says there is no other name by which men can be saved. Mm. Right? Um But then you have the question, well, what about people who never heard the name Jesus? And so you've got some dissension about this. Sure. So that's where you keep the hand open. So it's not that um, Jesus isn't the way. It is, is there any other chance? Hmm. And so people will say, well, sure, Christianity's fine, but so are all other faiths. Right. You know, I had a guy say when I lived in Montana, all trails lead to the the summit. (laughs) Right. And uh, so that's where you get the extra biblical things of, well, see, you, there's things you can't know. Maybe you don't realize that that um, Muslims are also in the family. Hmm. Um, and to which I say, listen, I've never been told by God that I'm supposed to determine who's in and who's out. And I'm thankful for that. I for would sure. hate that job. Um, and Romans 1 says that there are that creation itself bears witness to the glory of God. And there's enough divine revelation in creation that if all the witness a person had was creation itself, they should deduce that there is a God and that he should be served and worshiped and um, submitted to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it appears in Romans 1, in my opinion, that there is an opportunity for people to be uh, connected to God who never heard the name Jesus, who never got uh, told about Jesus uh, because of this um this worship of God. Well, what if that looks like nature worship or what if that gets distorted? I mean, how clear can that be? Hey, I don't have to make the call on that. I don't know, but I know that that God sent us a redeemer and his son and his name is the only name that can save us. I think part of it comes from, um, that this is, we, we don't strive for intellectual understanding. We strive for relationship. So, Yeah. yeah. 
it's not a philosophy. It's not, um, it's not how I think, um, I'm trying to think of things that are disputed now. Like I would bring up like flat earth stuff. It's mm-hmm. not that I think the world is flat or round is that I have a relationship with, with God. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not whether I think God exists or not. It's that I have a relationship with, so it's, yeah, it's a different, seven, it's seven a different, literal days of creation versus seven, what? 7,000 years. I don't know. Right. Um, or 70,000. Cause or, or I think it is a thousand a, years. Yeah. A thousand, yeah. I was going to say 10,000, but, but you're right. It is a thousand for a day. All right. Let's go to the last one. Number five. And this one is not so much bad news, um, except that it's convicting. It's bad news if you don't love people. Hmm. And that is that if you don't love people, you don't love God. Hmm. Now, this is coming from the great commandment where they asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He said, the Lord your God is one. Um, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, energy, like everything you got, love God. And then Jesus offers up. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that phrase, the second one is like it, means the second one is the same thing. Like it is in, like, like Jesus is like God, like the, like they are the. Exactly. That's exactly right. If Jesus says, I am the Father, the Father is me, we are the same. And he's saying this about these. Loving people the way you love yourself and loving God with all you have, these are the same thing. Hmm. Now, um, the, this is phenomenal news to me because it helps me understand how to follow Jesus because I know that if I love people the way I love myself, I'll never be accused of doing that I did too much. Sure, You'll never be said, well, you shouldn't have loved that guy. Yeah. God's never going to say you should not have loved that person. And this I can see. It's tangible. It's in front of me. I can I can put myself in their shoes and know, well, how would I want to be loved right now if I was them? Mm-hmm. This is something I can get my hands around. And um, it inspires me to love God in this way. So, But the bad news is I think I'm better at loving God than I am at loving people. Yeah. And, I mean, God, and, God's easier to love, I think. <laughs> he is. And the bad news here is I just lied to myself because mm. what I think this is saying is you're actually only as good at loving God as you are at loving people. You can't actually be better at loving God than you are at loving people because they are the same thing. Yeah. Really hard news and also very inspiring because – this is you get a chance every day. You get hundreds and hundreds of chances every day to do this. Yeah, I think uh, it reminds me of when you get it like a new gadget, like you get a new pen that you really like. Anytime an opportunity comes up to sign something, you're like, yes, <laughs> I get to. You know, the check comes. You're like, yeah. I get to sign something. Yeah. Similar thing. I get to. Lo- I get to. To. I get to love God right now. Exactly. I get to love God right now. Yeah. I get to love God right now. That's a great way to look at it. So uh, I hope these have been encouraging to you. These I don't know what made me think of all these, but I was uh, just kind of uh, scribbling in my journal, and these things started popping in my head. I think in that last one, when we're talking about um, culture and, and like American Christianity or Western Christianity, yeah, which is so independent, um, you know, that the just you and right. God, man, yeah. and this, you know, and and, I, and that's true that that it is about your relationship with God. Um, but the, I think we, we very much downplay, I mean, just going back like these new Testament authors, 
all they talk about is how much they love these people, how much they can't wait to see these people, mm-hmm. their brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And and I don't feel that way about a lot of people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's intense. It is. And the you know this bleeds into this re, this new testament reality that spirituality is a communal thing yeah and we have such a uh, americanized uh, individualistic uh framing of faith is the lord jesus your personal lord and savior right you know and uh, and we deeply hold a value uh, culturally in the united states that your faith is your own business, right? And whatever you believe is between you and God. Well, that's basically what we were founded on. Yeah, as a country. <laughs> and it's kind of like like the, all the imagery of the body of Christ. What good is a is an elbow laying on the you know the ground? It's, it can't do much. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The body uh, operates with the strength that each joint supplies. So yeah. it is we are connected to other parts of the body. Yeah, there's a whole lot there. Well, do, you hey, have a, do you have a takeaway? Well, uh, I think my biggest takeaway is number four, because that's the one that hit me the most. Um, there's lots of things that I'm wrong about, and I don't know which ones they are. Uh, that brings me to a great humility and a hunger to know more. But but I really like that one um, because of the of – the, is hubris the right word? Yeah. Yeah, hubris is, is like, like uh, arrogance, basically. Yeah. yeah. It, it really kind of puts a dagger in the heart of that. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, for sure. Well, what about you? Uh, I think the through line is definitely is, is posture. Yeah. I, and uh, um, the first four especially mm-hmm. are realizing your um, knowing your place. Yeah. Which um, so much to me, it's it's like the it's when Jesus uh, washes his disciples feet. It starts with and this is especially for number five. It starts with um, how, uh, you know, what is man that God is mindful of him? how crazy God must love you to while you're, you know, knowing what these people are about to do when, when Jesus is about to be crucified in one of his last acts on earth where someone else would go lounge and eat their favorite food. He, well, or he gets half naked and, and washes yeah. dirty feet. Yeah. Uh, even of his betrayer. Yeah. And, um, for me, if it was my last night, you know, if you're going to be executed for crimes, like if you, yeah. if you're going to be Tortured. executed because of your horrific crimes, your last night you get a special meal yeah exactly <laughs> you get to choose what you, but if yeah. you're the savior of the world your last night you're washing feet and then so so every time i read this i'm like man how loved am i and the reason he does this is obviously he loves us but he does this he says as i've done for you do to others mm-hmm. as i as the king of the universe serves you yeah you serve others that's the it's the whole it really point. is so um the posture is so important Jesus is kind to the people who have this accurate posture of mm-hmm. of, um, of uh, dependence. Mm-hmm. I think dependence is, is is huge. I think that's really the. Um, I guess I put a lot of a lot of uh, stock on perspective. Yeah, it's so so crucially important, and these four are all about perspective. Yeah, and I think this is why prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners mm-hmm. were running to Jesus. They knew their depravity. They knew they were unworthy. They knew that they were broken. And they found amazing love from him in response to their brokenness. Yeah. It was the arrogant who think they don't need a savior, who think that they've got everything under control. They bristle. Who are very very confident in the belief systems that they have. Those are the ones who missed him by a million miles. So for me, that through line is really great that just, man, I'm broken. I don't know much. I need Jesus so desperately. And so do you. And we're in this together. So let's help each other. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty great place to be. Yeah. 
I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, hopefully this was, I've, this was way, uh, I had a hard week last week. I think that uh, the episode was good. I think you helped me a lot. Uh, but, uh, but this is uh life giving. I left the last one drained. This one I leave, uh, I leave a little more excited, I guess. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's why we have these conversations before we ever started recording them, you know, yeah. <laughs> just to encourage each other. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, uh, we've got some news we'll be sharing with you soon about some projects we're working on. We're pretty excited about our future. Super, super excited. And we're grateful that you're on the team and part of it with us. So share the podcast with somebody. Tell a friend. Email us, info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Visit our website, jimandjohn.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.